It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the brand new week for me. Anyway, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West at the bottom of the hour. I got to unwind what happened with Iran, where we go from here. Also in Texas, their approach, I love it. El Paso's a problem, you crack down. Rest of the state, make your own judgments. That's what we're talking about. The coronavirus continues to rage. It's a challenge for 180 countries, not just ours. But do you have to destroy businesses along the way? Uh, and if you ever miss our show, you can subscribe to the podcast. You can get it on iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, or go to BrianKillMeShow.com and get it there. Uh, so I'll take your calls, too. 1-866-408-7669. But let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Despite several uncontrolled outbreaks within the NFL, the league is continuing to push ahead with the 2020 season. Several other teams are struggling to keep a full roster. Now the NFL is taking steps to try to halt the impact of COVID-19 on its teams and battered schedule. It's unbelievable. I give the NFL so much credit for grinding this out in separate cities, separate locations, but they are in trouble right now. Is this season in jeopardy? The coronavirus continues to have a big impact on the league. Broncos lose all four quarterbacks. The Ravens and Steelers push back again in the and the reigning MVP for Baltimore might not be eligible to play. The 49ers were told, find a new place to play home. They're going to choose Arizona. Can the NFL pull off what the NBA and Major League Baseball did? Or should they seriously consider canceling the season or going into a bubble? Number two. We're not allowed to put in our proof. They say you don't have standing. I would like to file one nice, big, beautiful lawsuit. Talking about this and many other things with tremendous proof we have we have affidavits hundreds and hundreds of affidavits president of the united states sunday with maria almost a full month since election day the president is still fighting we'll update you on the struggles and how it relates to two georgia senate races which have huge impact on his legacy and his future it's impossible to overstate the importance for both parties next Number one. Now this is just about gutting out all the small businesses because guess what's still going to be open? Amazon, Target, Walmart, right? All these big box stores. It's nothing more than a transfer of wealth from the engine of ingenuity, right? Entrepreneurship, bars and restaurants up into the top. And that is Andrew Gruel. You probably don't know him, but you know what he's going through. Slapfish restaurant over in Los Angeles. COVID-19 affecting everyone, but politicians doing the impossible, making it worse with unnecessary school closures, shuttering restaurants, gyms, and doing nothing but extending lines at food banks while vaccine queues up for massive distribution. And guess what? CNN just discovered, hold on to something, China lied. It was worse than they thought. And they never told us the true genesis of the virus, which President Trump's been saying from day one. China virus. Got ridiculed for it. How dare you do that? Blame it on China. How dare you drop out of the WHO because they lied for China? And now CNN with an exclusive story on how China lied. And President Trump says we got to get kids back in school. How irresponsible, Nancy Pelosi says. Now, the study shows Anthony uh, Fauci backs the data that says almost no risk to kids 
in, in, in elementary school, and I'm sure high school is not far behind. So where are we at with the vaccine? Well, we got uh, millions upon millions of vaccines with Pfizer ready to go. But the FAA, uh, the FDA is not, the FAA should stay out of this. The FDA is uh, slowing down. I mean, they say they're doing everything they can. But today, Mark Meadows has summoned the head of the FDA, uh, Steve Cohen, to the White House and to ask him, what is the delay? Why were you in the Addo Banks, North Carolina? Well, some say, well, you were quarantining because you came in contact with somebody. Well, listen, you can't slow down a vaccine. Pfizer, Moderna, ready to go. Look at it. Study it. You could have been studying along the way. Find out what questions you might have, and let's get it started. Cut one. We're going to have maybe 40 million doses of vaccine by the end of this year and then keep producing of these different vaccines and keep producing over the course of months. So we want to make sure those first vaccines, the first weeks go to those most vulnerable, those where you have the biggest impact on saving lives and also protecting those who are most at risk, like our frontline healthcare workers taking care of COVID patients. It'll ship within 24 hours after FDA approval, and then really it's going to be up to our nursing homes, our hospitals, our pharmacies to get that dispensed. So it really could be within within days of FDA approval, we'll start seeing vaccines in people's arms. That is awesome. Uh, the first mass air shipment went out. It arrives on the airlines, and they're preparing for more. They just need the okay. I, I'm telling you, I'm taking it. I'll be first or last, whatever helps the most. I am in Lieutenant General Paul Ostrowski, who handles the supply, production, distribution. Uh, and he was the accelerator behind Operation Warp Speed. He says that every American who wishes to be vaccinated against the coronavirus will be able to do so as soon as June, this summer, as vaccine candidates inch closer and closer to being available to the general public. I mean, my goodness, get this thing done, please. Dr. Monsif Saloui, he is chief advisor to Operation Warp Speed. Cut two. Both vaccines have now been submitted to the FDA for emergency use authorization, expected around the 11th or so of December for Pfizer and around the 18th or 19th for uh, the Moderna vaccine, and hopefully we'll start rolling vaccine doses. That's great news. However, it's very important to know that the number of doses we have is limited compared to the size and the need. We need 600 million doses. Everybody needs to get two shots of the vaccine. It's going to take a while, a few months, before we are able to produce enough vaccine to immunize the full population. So it's going to be very important that we prioritize the first most at-risk people to have the vaccine. True. Prioritize. 65 and up. Frontline workers, prioritize. First responders, prioritize. Whatever it takes, got it. Underlying conditions, prioritize. Fine. But we got to do is take it. Show that it's, if you're not comfortable, I'm not going to force you to do it. But I think airlines are saying, listen, show me the vaccination. I'm a private industry. Show me that you got vaccinated, you can get on the plane. People are upset by that. I am not. I mean, if you show me the technology, Pfizer, one of the most successful companies in the country, are they going to put their whole future on the line to give you a vaccine that will hurt you in any way? It's over. Now, meanwhile, it's up to these politicians to get on the ground, meet with these businesses. What we, we, we see the light at the end of the tunnel. How do I keep you open? Will someone tell that to Gavin Newsom? Will someone tell that to Governor Cuomo? Will someone tell that uh, to these governors across the country who all they know is lockdown? Governor Murphy in New Jersey. Governor Newsom said on Monday he's at the brink of a wider coronavirus stay-at-home orders. 
He says they should, uh, if should recent trends continue, officials warn there's a chance the viciously resurgent pandemic will force them to go indoors, wipe out outdoor uh, dining, make it solid delivery. And they say because it is getting challenging for hospitals. I get it. But while doing things that are challenging for hospitals, why don't you do the things that are, that are hurting the general population? You stop the parties, go ahead, but don't stop the outdoor dining because you don't want to kill people in the process. You have to understand the food banks are get – as you shut things down and feel good about yourself, just know the food bank lines get longer. Just know that depression and suicide grow. And for kids in school, now we find out, which was already reported in the spring, kids are better off in school, they are safer, and there's almost no chance they're going to get this virus. And guess who realizes that now? This guy named, it's on the tip of my tongue, Anthony Fauci. He suddenly realizes, you know what? Schools aren't the problem. Cut for Close the bars and keep the schools open. If you look at the data, the spread among children and from children is not really very big at all, not like one would have suspected. So let's try to get the kids back, but let's try to mitigate the things that maintain and and just push the kind of community spread that we're trying to avoid. Listen, I know he's a smart guy and always a nice guy, but please tell me the last time he said something of interest. If you want kids back in school, you're Anthony Fauci. You call up the president. I need to do a press conference. I, I, my data shows the kids are not in danger in school. In fact, they're less dangerous in school, especially they cannot. you cannot tell a third grader to go look at a laptop for an hour. So you call a press conference. You do it. You don't wait for Steph Curry to ask you to go on a podcast or some U.S. women's soccer team player to ask you to go on or a group of celebrities to ask to, to contribute to a Zoom call like the Kardashians did. That's how we're getting policy. We listen to his interviews, and his interviews are also contradictory of what he was saying originally. But people say if you're really too hard on him, you're not being fair. You're blaming the scientists. Follow the science. Well, remember Nancy Pelosi said this when President Trump said we got to get kids back in school. Cut seven. Are you confident that students and teachers will go back safely to school in the fall? No, I think what we heard from the secretary was malfeasance uh, and, and, and dereliction of duty. Oh, this is appalling. They're messing. They're messing. The president and his administration are messing with the health of our children. Going back to school is, presents the biggest risk for the spread of the coronavirus. She does not know what she's talking about. She never did. She never puts in the time. She only sees politics. She saw an opportunity to take the president's economy down, which is America's economy down, and she wanted to extend it as long as possible. That'll be the story that I hope somebody tells. Senator Rand Paul, I disagree with him on a lot, but he's been pretty consistent. He got the coronavirus early. He's a medical doctor with a rich medical, uh, diversity of medical experience. He has he has challenged Anthony Fauci directly. It says you're all over the place on some of your recommendations, on all of them, and you're not following the science. Here's what he said yesterday, cut five. Here's the interesting thing. You know, when I tried to get Dr. Fauci to look at the data six months ago on children, the data from Europe where they were keeping schools open and they did not have surges, he was unwilling to look at it, and he was so overly cautious that he wanted to keep schools closed. Now he says, oh, well, we can open some schools but not other schools, but really what we have to do is close bars. Well, really what we should do with Dr. Fauci is sit him down and show him the evidence on lockdowns. And it drives, to his credit, Rand Paul's been saying this all along, and the president's been listening, too. And he is a medical doctor, and you have a broad, you know, and just because you're an ophthalmologist doesn't mean you understand the body. 
I'm not saying he's an absolute answer to all this. He wasn't working on AIDS in the 80s when uh, Dr. Fauci was there. But I listen to Dr. Fauci. I never learn a single thing. It's, it's uh, ruling by interview. All of a sudden, Dr. Interview gave, uh, Dr. Fauci gave an interview on MSNBC, and here's what he said. Really? Okay, that's our new policy? I didn't know. So in the meantime, they're shutting down bars and restaurants. They set up outdoors. They hired people back. They got some money in the PPP loans. Nothing else has come. You continue to keep them shut down. The virus comes back. You want to shut them down even further. Now you want to shut them down entirely, indoor and outdoor. And these people have had it. I interviewed uh, of, of a, uh, the owner of a restaurant today from Colorado. She's got 98 other businesses from gyms to bars to restaurants to department stores, and they're refusing to shut down. They have had it. They know the danger. They're not making people shop there, eat there, but they're doing the things that the Board of Health told them to, but yet no one went back to them. They just decide we're shutting you down. That is not the way the system's supposed to work. Not only that, it is lazy. It's not a system. It's laziness. The virus is coming up. Let's shut everything down. You can't quarantine healthy people and expect them to just sit there for nine months. We're not sheep. We're not Russia. Anthony Gruel has had it. He's the owner of Slapfish Restaurant, and he has had it with the hypocrisy. While the governor goes to fancy restaurants and lawmakers do the same thing, he's supposed to just tell everybody to go home? Cut 10. Yeah, nothing says take my rules less seriously than not following your own rules, right? And this most recent move, which obviously, you know, that kind of distilled down from the top because after Gavin Newsom's 15, 20-course hypocrisy dinner at the French Laundry, uh, eating indoors— eating without masks on, groups of over 20, when the day before he said, don't do all the things I'm about to do. And now they ban outdoor dining, which actually there is no science saying that you should ban outdoor dining. So that that one, the science is unequivocally, everybody agrees that there's no reason you should be banning outdoor dining, but then they still go and dine outdoors. And by the way, this woman, Sheila Cool visited an eatery in Santa Monica, California last week, just hours after she voted to ban outdoor dining at restaurants. Cool was seen dining outside in this place called Forno Tutoria, an Italian restaurant near her house. Uh, the Fox station saw her there. Quote, this is a serious health emergency. We must take it seriously, Cool said. The servers are not protected from us. They're not protected from their own tables. They're serving at any particular time, plus all hours in, at night in which they're working. But it didn't stop her from going to the restaurant. But I'll tell you, I'm going to come back and take your calls on this because people are all over the map. one 408 Yeah, the virus is a challenge in all 50 states. But I'd rather go down using my own sensibilities, making my own decisions like Texas and Florida, than to live in this oppressive area called New York with, a, with an egomaniacal governor looking to sell a book about how great he is when we all know the difference. Back in a moment. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals, to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze 
to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome back, everybody. one 866 Let's go out to Rachel WVMT. Hey, Rachel. Hi, Brian. Thank you so much for having us on your show. We're so excited. All right, let's hear it. What's on your mind? Um, so we had called in yesterday from Sisters of Anarchy Ice Cream right here in Shelburne, Vermont, and we were so excited to talk about um, how our business was impacted due to the pandemic. And um, I just wanted to tell you guys a little about what we do and how we were affected here at Sisters of Anarchy. Um, so we are a family-owned business, and we have started a farm here, and we grow aronia berry, elderberry, Marquette red wine grapes, blackberry, blueberry. But how have you been? Rachel, it sounds great, but how have you been affected? Are they shutting you down? Well, we rely heavily on events, and so we do scooping events, weddings, catered events. um, And so that really just kind of halted things a bit for us. Um, It definitely impacted us. Um, and our revenue, and we not more importantly, we really um, build our relationships with our customer base with face-to-face interactions and giving them that experience. So we had to shift our business model, and now we're doing uh, mail order ice cream. So we're shipping our ice cream across the country oh. um, successfully. All right, how do and how do we get it, Rachel? I could tell you you're resilient and resourceful. How do we get your ice cream if I'm in Montana or Oklahoma? It's as easy as you could give us a call or just go right on our website and our interface is super user friendly. So you go to www.sistersofanarchy.com. 
ice cream dot com and right. um and you just press our ice cream flavors and you can order right on that page all right go get them rachel congratulations i hear there's a lot of sunshine and optimism in your voice andrew uh gruel i mentioned before about slapfish this other guy kevin mcclarty he's co-owner of out of the gates and ready to go hey it's hutton with row hot mike is here on the outkick network we've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion and it's available wherever you find your audio daily analysis and news he is hot i am mike actually my name is chad <laughs> His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Max Pub in Staten Island. They shut everything down in Staten Island. They don't even interact with these guys. Ken McCarney basically says, I'm going to serve uh, drinks, but I'm not going to charge you. If you want to make a donation, make a donation. Listen to what he's doing. He told Tucker last night, cut 12. What has taken place is... The food industry and bar industry, we all end up wanting to work with the government when we decided that they decided that we could start reopening. And they never came to the professionals, the ones that own the bars and the restaurants and everything. They never came to us to end up asking how to do that in a safe way. Basically, all they did was dictate to us what we're supposed to do. And with doing that, you still weren't able to survive. And they still... Screwed with them anyway, and are about to shut them down again. Cut 13. So it brought us to a point that they're saying that they were shutting us down again, that they weren't allowing inside dining, and I was put against the wall. It's either I took a stance and end up opening my, continue to keep my establishment open, hoping that people end up coming to spend money so I can pay bills and end up providing for my family. And now he's at loggerheads with the mayor and the governor, and they have control of the liquor license. I wish him all the luck, and I admire his gumption. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. There are those who are exploiting the emotions of many Trump supporters with fantastic claims, half-truths, misinformation, and frankly, they are misleading the president as well, apparently. And that is the Secretary of State for Georgia, uh, Brad Raffensperger. Perger. He said he voted for the president. The whole family voted for the president. He's a Republican. But he says that the things that the president's claiming or they're telling him is wrong with his voting system is just not the case in Georgia to make up for 10,000 votes. Uh, John Roberts, Fox News chief White House correspondent, is in the middle of two worlds. Is it going to be an incoming Biden administration? And the current administration feels as though uh, at least the president does, that he's got four more years coming his way when everything's exposed. John, very unique time in your career, wouldn't you say? Uh, it is a very unique time in my career. It it, it does somewhat harken back to uh, the year 2000, which was the first election that I was the uh, full-time candidate correspondent on. I was following the Gore campaign. Uh, back then, we had 537 votes and one state. Uh, but now we have tens of thousands of votes in six states. Um, it, what's, what's, what's remarkable to me, Brian, is had this been 2000 and Georgia been Florida, 
there were at, at least three times the votes that were found that would have overturned the result of the 2000 election. But the playing field here is just so spread out for President Trump that it's really going to be difficult for him to, to overturn uh, the, the current vote count. His, his campaign is going to make the case in Wisconsin today, as it has in other states, that hundreds of thousands of ballots should be disallowed. They've challenged the constitutionality of the mail-in voting system itself. I mean, that's a big, big, big hill to climb. And I think the president's quite aware of that, which is why he's already telling some of his close advisors that, you know, he wants to take another run at it in 2024. So he is, but he's still going after Republican governors, one in Georgia, of course, Brian Kemp, who uh, mysteriously has never told uh, anybody why Kelly Loeffler was the pick for him. Over uh, over Doug Collins, who the president wanted him to pick, he got the first idea that he was uh, he's going to do his own thing, and he's also upset with Governor Ducey in Arizona. He said, "Why are you certifying this stuff?" He goes, "I told you there were challenges to this." Well, that's and that's and that's the issue is. You know, the Republican Party is bigger than President Trump. Clearly, he is the figurehead of the Republican Party, but they're also looking ahead because they I think that there is a a sense of resignation among most of the people uh, in the party who are in positions of power now that this thing is likely over and that they say, yeah, the president, you know, has an opportunity and should and has the right and should you know, fight uh, this, particularly if there are you know, suggestions of voting irregularity or, as we found in Georgia, there were thousands of votes that, that weren't counted. And again, I point back to that. You know, there were enough that would have overturned the 2000 election result three times over. But then at the same time, they're looking ahead to say, look, we've got these these fights in Georgia on January 5th in the Senate runoffs. We have to win those because control of the Senate and and the future direction of the country in the next four years really hinges on that. You know, and then we've got the president breathing down our neck about these recounts and legalities with votes. You know, is that going to turn some voters off? Is that going to suppress voter turnout on January the 5th? So they've got concerns above and beyond what's going on with President Trump. And I, and I think you're seeing that right. friction between the president who wants all of the attention on, on his complaints and the state governors who say we've got some other fish that we have to fry as well. There are about 12,600 votes, a 0.2% margin of victory in Georgia in particular. The president's going to go down there Saturday. I imagine he's going to be talking a lot about his situation, and I wonder if he's going to be talking about uh, 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 Leffler as well as uh, Will Purdue. Not Will Purdue, well, uh, the former uh, former David Purdue. Yeah. David Purdue. David Purdue. I don't know. I don't know who Will Purdue is. But no, he is. Maybe, maybe a long lost cousin. No, he won. Uh, he won four championships with the Chicago Bulls. Ah, uh, uh, okay. Playing alongside Michael Jordan, which I don't. Right, I don't know right. why you keep bringing him up. Uh, you're trying to sidetrack me. It's really. Try, it's really throwing me. Um, let me. Let me. Let me throw the name Jerry West out there as well. Okay, I've fine. Eaten his, I've, I've eaten at his restaurant at the Greenbrier. All right, that, uh, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. You know, obviously the president's going to go out there and support Purdue and Loeffler. He's got to do that as the head of the party. But I think at the same time, there's going to be a bit of a festivist uh, atmosphere of the airing of grievances as as well. I just don't think the president can get down to Georgia without saying, "Look, there's massive fraud." Now, the interesting aspect of this is that Raffensperger. Even though he has defended the integrity of the election there in Georgia, has acknowledged that there's more than 250 investigations of potential voter fraud going on, and he is going after third-party groups that he says are trying, are actively trying to recruit people from out of state to vote in the Georgia election. So, 
it, it would appear, at least on the surface, Brian, that clearly there may be some shenanigans that are going on. Yeah, here. I mean, that's interesting because we just don't know how you get 800,000 requests for absentee ballots in a runoff election. That's pretty unique. Uh, it is, but don't forget there was a lot of momentum uh, among the Democrats uh, in in the South right now. They they smell blood in the water. You know, Biden flipped. If the vote count holds, Biden flipped Georgia for the first time since 1996. And um, was it Georgia 1996? Yeah, I think it was Georgia 1996. I think Clinton won it. Um, sometimes confusing Arizona, but I think Arizona was 72. Uh, and and so they, they, they smell blood in the water, and they think that they've got a chance to take these Senate seats as well. So they're dumping tens of millions of dollars into Georgia to try to take, you know, if they, mm. if they grab one of those seats, then it's still, you know, Republican majority. But if they grab two, then all bets are off. And, and Biden has a you know, a very powerful uh, playing field on which to enact his policies. So that's why the Democrats are going all in on this. Republicans are playing defense, uh, but they've got to mount a very, very strong defense. And, and as we know from right. sports, you know, a strong defense is your best offense. So we'll see. You know, the one thing Karl Rove said is the president you keep in mind, do you want you one one body is going to be investigating you and, and the people that work for you and they got to be calling back. That's the house. Now, do you want to? If you don't take an interest in this in these Senate runoff races, and it's the majority Democrats with the vice president weighing in, these committees are going to be hauling you and everybody else around you to reexamine these four years you had in office. So even for self-preservation reasons and for your programs, go out and get these two uh, get these two uh, in power because it's going to be very hard to keep the Senate in two years. And the only hope is to to grab that. I'm not saying it's impossible, but the numbers look even more. Uh, you know, more daunting in two years. But, John, something else has happened in the White House today. The uh, FDA chief has been called in, and Mark Meadows evidently wants an explanation in person. Why are you taking so long greenlighting the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna hey, hey. vaccine December 13th? And, and and I have uh, spoken with a couple of White House officials about this as well, and they say, look, you know, all the data is out there. Why is this review board meeting not scheduled on the Pfizer vaccine until the 10th and then the Moderna vaccine a few days after that? But, you know, here's the process that the FDA goes through. The FDA does, doesn't just accept the analysis of the results from the drug company. Their scientists with a fine-tooth comb go through all of the raw data themselves and conduct a separate analysis. And that takes time. In, in, in fact, the, the, the quickest that this has ever happened before with a similar amount of data to these coronavirus vaccines to get FDA approval for emergency use authorization was three and a half months. So they're basically doing it in three and a half weeks, which is an extraordinarily accelerated timetable. Now, it could be said that, you know, gosh, three and a half weeks, how many lives could be saved if we got the vaccine out there now? But the FDA believes that there is a, a, a confidence problem uh, when it comes to vaccines because of you know, the politics surrounding it, because of things that uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo has been saying. And they want to make sure that the public has confidence in the vaccine. And they believe the best way for the public to have confidence in the vaccine is for the scientists at the FDA who do this for mm -hmm. a living to go through an appropriate review process mm -hmm. so that when they get their stamp of approval on an emergency use authorization, the public can have confidence that this thing is safe and effective. John Roberts, uh, you're at the White House. Do you have a pen there? It's, because I want to I give you some information. Do you have a pen handy? 
I let me see, I got one around here somewhere. Okay, I, I've good. got a computer in front of me. All right, so maybe I'll just provide. A, I have a, a cassette tape. I'll I'll send you the tape. So guess what CNN did? They broke some really exciting news that I've never heard before. Oh, oh, that the China was lying about the coronavirus. No, no, wait, wait let's let's just don't don't get ahead of the game. Let's listen together. <laughs> Cut sixteen. We have some breaking news for you in our world lead. CNN has obtained leaked documents from inside China, documents that reveal the missteps and the chaos of the Chinese government's early response to the coronavirus pandemic. The documents are from Hubei province, home to the city of Wuhan, where the pandemic is thought to have started. They show authorities released misleading public data on the number of deaths and the number of cases. They took, on average, three weeks to diagnose a new case and much more. All right, just can, now, can, give me a second it, to catch down. Misleading. Data. Now, let me let me ask you this question: was, yes. was was that was that broadcast from March third <laughs> of this year? <laughs> can you say November 29th? Are you kidding me? I could not believe this. I thought this was a joke. This it, would... it does it does sound like something that you would read in the yes. Onion or the Babylon Bee. <laughs> It's, I mean, for you, it's especially you. I mean, I flip around. You used to work there. And I'm watching them like they're mad at the president for saying the China virus the way president always does. It, but it came from them and they lied. Why did you drop out of the World Health Organization? Because they lied for China. And now they're finding documents that show they lied for China. I read the New York Times last weekend. It's they doing the step by step how the WHO covered for China. So this president in the same bull in a China shop way said we're done with them. And China, uh, China poisoned the world. And now, it's, now it's, all of a sudden, they have the sound effects and everything. I know, Brian. It's it's laughable. It's it's laughable. Yeah, the, the, these these are the same news organizations that were criticizing I know. everything that came out of the president's mouth about China and the origins of the virus, right. and how China was misleading the world, and how the WHO was complicit. And now it's like, oh, the election's over, <laughs> and oh, guess what? China was lying all the way along about what was going on. I mean, it's Brian, it's 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 laughable. That's why I said, when was that bulletin from March third? Right. And John, because is... back then, back back then, it would have been news. And I'm right. Running late, but the reason why I want to play that with you is because you you don't give the president a pass when he doesn't deserve one. But this is a time in which he needs to be. He told the kids they should be back in school. Now Anthony Fauci says, "Yeah, the data says they should be back in school." And then China and, virus. And Bill De Blasio opens the schools back up. Yeah, it's all, yeah, unbelievable. What kind of world I mean, we live in? You know, if it weren't so tragic, it would be a comedy. But it's not. Uh, John, thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right, Brian, you bet. All right. It made sick chaos uh, tolerable and understandable. Back with Alan West. Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The way I look at it is that, um, you know, Donald Trump um, created a certain amount of leverage uh, for Joe Biden. Um, uh, on both the China front and the Iran front. On the China front, he imposed 25% tariffs on about 50% of China's uh, exports to the United States. And on Iran, uh, he broke the Iran nuclear deal and reimposed crippling economic sanctions. Now, Trump, in, in both those theaters, Chris, was never able to translate that leverage into really sustainable new deals. So he's actually left that for Biden. Um, and that's a potential opportunity for Biden. 
No question. That was uh, Thomas Friedman in the New York Times. Big Trump critic think Trump's a joke. We got to get him out. We got to send people to Georgia, get more sure Republicans are out. But when it comes to foreign policy, he can't help but somehow, uh, by mistake, compliment President Trump and how he unified the Arab world against the Muslim world, against Iran. And now taking out their lead scientist, if they took out their lead uh, terrorist, Soleimani, once again, gave the leverage. Now it seems to Biden. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West joins us. Colonel, I couldn't have said it better myself. He didn't know he was complimenting the president. No, he didn't know he was complimenting the president. But when it comes to foreign policy and national security strategy and policy, you have to give President Trump, you know, all high marks, all, you know, A pluses. But what will be interesting to see is that if we go back to the Obama-Biden strategic patience with North Korea leading from behind uh, and once again going back into that horrible nuclear deal with Iran and sending them billions of dollars, which only uh, postpones their breakout time for getting a nuclear device. So it'll be interesting to see which way Joe Biden goes forward, if he is just going to be a rubber stamp return to the Obama-failed policies of being a foreign policy, or if he's going to continue on with the uh, strong uh, peace through strength policies of President Trump. And with strong energy, when he goes on to say the Saudi Arabia gets hit with uh, with those missiles, those uh, those guided missiles and and blew up their some of their infrastructure of their oil uh, production. And when Trump didn't come in and bomb out Iran or run to their defense, he said, yeah, I'm not going to do anything. And if you want our troops, you got to pay for them. And they did. It reset the calculus. It made these other nations realize they got to depend on each other with America's support. And we have our own oil, so it's no longer our national security interest to do so. All of that was Trump policies. If Obama had his way, we would have been sitting there with, with solar, uh, solar panels and wind chimes. No, you're absolutely right, and that's one of the things when uh, Vice President Biden said in that last presidential debate that he was going to transition away from oil and gas. What does that do to you know our, our incredible foreign policy, which is based upon our energy policy? We don't have to be uh, held hostage to whatever happens in the Middle East because we're producing, consuming, exporting our own energy resources. Here in Texas, we are the world's largest exporter of liquefied natural gas, comes out of Port, Port Arthur, Texas. And so we don't want to go backwards. We want to continue to undermine these countries, these OPEC nations, Russia and others, with a strong uh, energy policy. And I don't want to see Joe Biden take us down the path of this Green New Deal, but he's going to be uh, somewhat owing these progressive socialist leftists like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. It'd be interesting to see who he picks as his uh, Secretary of Energy in his quote-unquote new administration. I, HBS, you know, do you really want to destroy your budget? Do you really want to take you to lead to leave the top spot of energy production in the world? Do you want to abdicate that throne? I'm just wondering if there's a practical nature to Joe Biden at his age. But Colonel, the other area of your expertise is uh, is Texas. You are the chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, and we all are dealing with this coronavirus in all 50 states virtually. But you guys are doing it on a section-by-section basis. You're looking at the Rio Grande Valley, and you're saying, okay, we got to give a lot of aid there. But you're not putting mask mandates and mask lockdowns across the state. How's that going? 
Well, we still have this statewide mask mandate, and there are some folks that are, of course, out in West Texas or if you're up in Amarillo that uh, they're, they're not seeing any grand effects. They are a, a bit more concerned. They want to see some of that alleviated, even out in East Texas. But definitely, without a doubt, uh, down along the Rio Grande Valley, along our border that we share with Mexico, that's where we've seen the issues. We saw that earlier this year down in uh, McAllen, Hidalgo County, and now we're seeing it in El Paso, which is right across from Juarez, uh, Mexico. So that's where our focus needs to be. And that's what we need to be doing, Brian, is we need to focus our efforts, our energies, and our resources toward those areas that are most affected, toward those uh, populations, the demographics that are the most vulnerable, and get away from the big cookie-cutter approach. I just found it, you know, I had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, we had a bunch of family over and friends. We had about 10 people. But uh, I guess there were some places in America you could not have had 10 people in your house for Thanksgiving. And those are the time type of draconian approaches that the American people are tired of. Just wait for Christmas. <laughs> well, don't go messing with Chris Kringle. Uh, they are. Colonel Allen West, great, always great to hear from you. Chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, uh, spent decades in the military, still serving. Colonel, thanks so much. Thanks so much, Brian. God bless. Yeah, pick up his book, Whole Texas, Whole the Nation. It's excellent, and we can overcome an American Black Conservative Manifesto. Great messages at this time. Brian Kilmeade Show. Go to briankilmeadeshow.com. Listen anytime, anywhere. And go to briankilmeade.com. If you want anything personalized for the holidays, all the books are there. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. All right, from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Governor Chris Christie is ready to report for duty. He's going to be joining us in a matter of moments, put in in perspective the president's chances of overturning uh, this election and the fight he's having state to state. And can that benefit, especially in Georgia, uh, this runoff for future elections? And then Barney and company will do a simulcast. Jim Gray will join us at the bottom of the hour to talk about Mike Tyson's exhibition fight. I watched it. I paid for it as well as the NFL trying desperately to hold on to a season. I give them credit. They're trying everything to keep it going. And right now, the latest challenge is Baltimore and Pittsburgh. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Despite several uncontrolled outbreaks within the NFL, the league is continuing to push ahead with the 2020 season. Several other teams are struggling to keep a full roster. Now the NFL is taking steps to try to halt the impact of COVID-19 on its teams and battered schedule. The NFL is the season in jeopardy. The virus continues to have a big impact on the league. Four quarterbacks uh, all told they couldn't play with the Broncos. They weren't wearing masks, acting irresponsibly. Now the Ravens and Steelers are pushed till Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday football. The 49ers have to look for a new home. San Francisco decided uh, we it's just too dangerous for them to play tackle football. Can the NFL just go into a bubble? Maybe like the MLB did in the playoffs and the NBA did the entire summer. Number two. We're not allowed to put in our proof. They say you don't have standing. I would like to file one nice, big, beautiful lawsuit. Talking about this and many other things with tremendous proof. We have, tre- we have affidavits, hundreds and hundreds of affidavits. Uh, the president with Maria on Sunday. Almost a full month after Election Day, the president's still fighting. We'll update you on the latest. 
Meanwhile, we'll also talk about the Georgia Senate races and what it means. Next. Number one. Now this is just about gutting out all the small businesses because guess what's still going to be open? Amazon, Target, Walmart, right? All these big box stores. It's nothing more than a transfer of wealth from the engine of ingenuity, right? Entrepreneurship, bars and restaurants up into the top. Uh, That is Andrew Gruel. He's the owner of Slapfish, a restaurant in Los Angeles being shut down again. COVID-19 affecting everyone, but politicians doing the impossible, making it worse with shuttering restaurants, gyms, uh, shutting uh, retail stores, but extending ill lines at food banks when they do so. While a vaccine queues up for mass distribution. And meanwhile, CNN just has a breaking news flash. Uh, It turns out China lied and they they didn't tell us everything they needed to be known about the coronavirus. I had no idea. No idea up until Jake Tapper told me on Sunday that China lied. Here with brand new information, Governor Chris Christie. Governor, did you have any idea that China wasn't telling the truth about the coronavirus? Of course they weren't telling the truth. Their lips were moving. <laughs> I mean, do you believe that they said this with, their, with a news flash? They have documents to prove it? Well, congratulations to CNN. A day late and a dollar short, but uh, there you go. Um, you know, listen— what we understand is that, that, that China is our adversary, that we need to be considering them that way, and that what they did regarding the coronavirus and, quite frankly, what they've continued to do regarding our intellectual property and all the other deals that they make with us and the rest of the world prove to us that um, Ronald Reagan's uh, you know, old saying about the Soviets back in the day, trust but verify – um, should be what we do with every agreement we make with the Chinese because they've shown they can't be trusted. I just want to talk about the virus one more thing for a second. I know how tough you were with, uh, I think it was Ebola. It's hard to I get my viruses mixed up. When people were coming back from a region, you said, listen, you're going to quarantine when they came into New Jersey, into Newark Airport. I actually believe that a, a politician has to go down and walk to restaurant and to gyms and meet with them and bring them over to uh, locations and decide how to keep them open rather than how to shut them down while recognizing the dangers of the virus. Governor, it's like they're taking the short course. We're shutting it all down. There's a ramifications for that. People are starving. Depression's happening. Suicide's taking place. Kids aren't learning. Rest of 80% of small businesses are closing. As a politician slash governor, mayor, isn't it your responsibility to see the whole picture? That's you know, this is what makes me laugh when people say we should just follow the science. Um, if that were the case, then we should just elect scientists to be presidents and governors and mayors. That's not what you're supposed to do. Yes, the science has to be part of what you consider. No question. And an important part, but not the only part. Because what we're seeing now, what we're worse yet, Brian, what we're going to see in 2021, I believe, is, you know, the the aftermath of once, um, you know, these vaccines come into play and people want to go back to what they consider a normal life. What they're going to find is a lot of that normal life is gone. Yep. The restaurants you went to, the gyms you went to, um, you know, the small businesses that serviced you in a bunch of different ways because we overreacted. There is a way to thread this needle, and it takes ingenuity and real leadership. But, you know, really pushing folks to be able to do the, the, the public health things that they need to do, like mask wearing and hand washing and social distancing, um, could have permitted us 
um, to also at the same time allow these small businesses to stay open. And, and, I, and what you said in the run-up here is absolutely right. You know, this isn't hurting Walmart. This isn't hurting Amazon. This isn't hurting Target. These are big places that, in fact, are benefiting from this because we're putting small businesses out of business, and large businesses are the only place left for people to go to get the goods that they need. It's, it's so wrongheaded. And I will tell you, in the highest tax states in this country like mine, it is going to be a long, long haul to come back because of the decisions that have been made and are being made right now. So what about this this school thing? For the longest time, and you know, we know the way the president is, it's direct. There's no there's no nuance. He said you've got to get kids back in school. He said this in May, he said it in June, he doubled down on it in July at the RNC. So they say, well, that's so irresponsible. I'm not gonna play Nancy Pelosi's cut because we'll lose listeners. But here's Dr. Anthony Fauci, cut four. Close the bars and keep the schools open. If you look at the data, the spread among children and from children is not really very big at all, not like one would have suspected. So let's try to get the kids back, but let's try to mitigate the things that maintain and, and just push the kind of community spread that we're trying to avoid. Because it's, it's almost no kid, kids, thankfully, get this, especially the ones in elementary school, Governor. And now he comes along in an interview, not in a statement or press conference. In an interview, you stumble on a question that he answers, which now, if he it does have the weight he thinks he has, can revolutionize what all our, our next generation of Americans are doing today. I mean, no question. No question, Brian. Listen, I've been saying this all along that, you know, why the schools are not are not remaining open in many places. The teachers union. This is not about public health concerns. It's about the teachers union. And you see it in New York City, where you are right now, in a huge way. Now, Bill de Blasio has reversed himself on that because the public knows this and they're demanding that their kids go back to school. I'll give you an example, Brian. We have a 17-year-old daughter who's a senior in high school. She goes to a Catholic school. So do I, by the way. And and she goes to a Catholic school. They have been in school four days a week all year. They do Fridays virtual, but four days a week they're in school, in class learning. And you know what the nuns do? What? They open up the windows. And they have fans in there to further circulate air. And they say to the girls as it's starting to get cold, you can put your coats on, but you need to be here to learn. We need our children to be there and learning. And they're not going to learn remotely anywhere near the way they'll learn um, when they're in the classroom in front of their teacher. We all have a moral obligation to do that for our kids. And I'm talking to somebody in Governor Chris Christie that had this virus and knows it's tough. This is a tough virus. So you're not sitting there saying, well, it never happened to me. I'm going to be cavalier about this and be a tough guy. You were in the hospital. Yeah. And listen, it was very, very scary. And it's random. And it's very, very harsh, depending upon who you are and how you get it and all the rest. And so and it's unpredictable. But what we do know, as Dr. Fauci just said, is that kids generally are not getting this and they're not spreading it in the way that other you know, modes are. So why are we focusing on closing schools um, for kids? You know, teachers can take that same those same precautions, right. social distance from the kids, frequent hand washing, mask wearing. My daughter wears a mask all day in school. She doesn't want to, but she does. And she does just as much to protect her teacher as she does to protect herself. And And so we keep doing those things. And, Governor, I know what baseball meant to you in high school and the friends that you still have today. My daughter plays soccer. 
and that whole team could was going to oh. win a state championship this year, or at least vie for it. And they sit around and they're saying, we're playing club ball, because, yeah. but we're not allowed to play high school ball. And now the, the numbers are going up. They could have played all summer. And I'm watching St. Anthony's and Chaminade, which if you listen around the country, those are two local oh, schools, yeah. playing in a championship. They had no issues. They're playing without masks because they have tuition checks. And those two people are going to go somewhere else because they got to they live up to that tuition. And they, they were willing to take the risk. No one made those kids get on the soccer and football field. But they got through it. In Florida, they're playing in their championships right now. Well, in, 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 in New Jersey? Yesterday, um, the governor closed all indoor sports again. So, you know, now we have another group of kids, hockey, um, basketball, um, who are not going to be able to have wrestling. This year. Yep, wrestling too, absolutely. Um, who are not going to be able to have their seasons this year. And, you know, for kids who are seniors, um, this could be the last chance they have to play organized ball. Um, and it's a, it, like you said to me, I still, uh, our, our state championship baseball team from 40 years ago, um, this past spring, um, we still get together as a team. We still are all friends. Most of those guys volunteered and worked on both my campaigns for governor and my campaign for president. I mean, these are longtime friendships that get built that are being diminished here for reasons that are not backed up by scientific fact or common sense. And I feel like politicians, adults are letting these kids down, but not to go too much into that, we have so much more to talk about. Governor Murphy's up in a year. You think this guy, is anyone going to run on the Republican side to give him a run for his money? Sure. We'll, we'll have a number of candidates. I think we'll probably have a pretty active primary. There's a lot to be said in the state about increased taxes, increased spending, uh, profligate borrowing. Um, and, Mail-in and voting. All- Yep, all these things that the governor has done um, to put forward his very, very liberal agenda. Um, So, you know, we have a number of candidates. Uh, Only one is declared so far, a guy named Jack Cittarelli, who who, uh, ran four years ago for the nomination and lost to my lieutenant governor, Kim Guadano. Um, But there's a number of other folks who are looking at it. Um, There will be an active Republican primary. We will have a good Republican nominee, um, and it will be, as it always is in New Jersey, a rough-and-tumble race. Um, I want to talk about the president. The president is not giving up. You heard him on Sunday or heard some clips on Sunday. You work on Sunday, too. And uh, in Arizona, in Georgia, he's going to go, and he's going to appear in Arizona. He's going to appear in Georgia. Have you spoken to the president since you kind of called out him and his legal team for continuing this fight? I, I have not. Um, I have not, although that's not unusual. The president, I usually talk every couple of weeks and have for the entirety of his presidency. Um, so I'm sure we'll talk again soon. But listen, you know, the, the bottom line here, Brian, is that unlike in politics, where at times, you know, people can pay a little bit fast and loose with the facts. Um, when you go into a courtroom, you have to have evidence and you have to put that evidence in front of the judge. And a judge has to make those decisions based upon the evidence placed in front of them. Um, I heard the president in the the lead up say he wants to file one big, beautiful lawsuit. Well, that's just not the way it works. And and so in the end, you know, you have to show evidence. And and I've been saying this since election night, that if you're going to allege fraud as the president of the United States, you have to show proof of fraud that would change an election. And listen, I would love for it to be so. I was the first person, as you remember. To endorse the president in 2016, I, I ran his transition. I ran his opioid commission. I prepped him for the 16 debates. I prepped him for the 20 debates, and I voted for him both times. So uh, I, I would love for Donald Trump to be the president for the next four years, but you know the fact is 
that we've seen no evidence so far that did, that of, that's been presented in the courtroom or anyplace else that would change the elections. And quite frankly, when he has, you know, now I know he's removed Sidney Powell from the from the legal team, but when you have people like that who are saying the things they're saying but not willing to produce evidence, and Tucker Carlson talked about this pretty eloquently on his show on your network, you know, there comes a point where you just have to say elections have consequences. And, you know, we won in a narrow, close election four years ago, um, and, and we said, you know, that's a valid election. Um, and I think that the same thing has to be said now about this one, unless there's some evidence that now nearly a month after Election Day is out there, but we haven't yet seen or heard. I find that kind of hard to believe. You Rudy let him down a little bit. Is it is like maybe that friendship, that trust that they have between him? He's, is he trusting Rudy too much that he has more than he has? No, you know, listen, I, I think at the end of the day, the president, the client has to make their decision on their own. They can listen to their lawyer's advice. But in the end, this is up to the president. You know, he's he's got to decide, is there really the evidence here? And when court after court, Republican judges, Democratic judges, Trump appointees, Obama appointees, Bush appointees are all coming to the same conclusion, Brian. You know, there comes a point in time where you just have to say, as painful as it is to lose an election, and I've done that, and, 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 and it hurts to lose an election horribly. But in the end, sometimes you just have to say, you know, I lost, and, and I need to move on. And I'll be back, and that's what he might be willing to do. Uh, Governor, I only have 5,000 more questions to ask you, but I'm, I'm out of time, and you know what that's like. Well, you might not know what that's like. You don't have your own show do. yet, but you should. All right, well, thank you, Brian. Listen, I always love coming to the program. You, whenever you ask, I come. Really? All right, I'm yeah. going to look forward to it because we had to talk sports too. Uh, we, had, we had that fight, and we got to talk about the Mets because you think they're going to win a World Series in three years. We also got to talk about the NFL season, but sadly, I'm out of time. Um, well, I got to go back to reading. You, are you going to go back to reading Governor Cuomo's book? Is that why you you have to read? <laughs> no, that that's not what's on my nightstand right now. I'm <laughs> reading the book on Jim Baker right now, not not Andrew Cuomo's book. Yeah, by Peter Baker. That's great. Yeah. Uh, Governor Christie, thanks so much. Always great. Uh, thank you, Brian. Great program. All right. Back in a moment. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first. Only on the Brian Kilmeade Show. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. All right, one 866 I'm going to come back, and we're going to have Jim Gray. We're going to talk about that Tyson fight I took over the weekend. I liked it. I mean, I thought Tyson was ready to fight. His combinations, his, his fitness was fantastic. His hand speed looked great. But Roy Jones Jr. was scared to death. It was just holding him every second. What was the ref doing? And how about he was out of breath? I mean, you, you see him not only between oh. rounds, but in the interviews, the post-fight interview, he had no breath. He couldn't speak. He was out of breath. He was so out of shape. Roy Jones. Yeah, Roy Jones. Yeah. I mean, he's a light heavy. He's a 175 guy. Yeah. I mean, right? he, he won his title. He was, yeah. what, like 195 yeah. when he won the heavyweight title? But again, that's very small for a heavyweight. All right. Uh, it was the craziest broadcast ever uh, between the rap songs. I, it's pretty bad when Snoop Dogg is the best color analyst. Yeah, I know. He, he was great. He's like, he goes, different from sparring. Sparring, you're paying these guys to make sure. And I'm like, he's bringing up great insight. One, one thing he said was fantastic. He goes, this reminds me of my two uncles scrapping it out at a barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. That may have been a little bit more entertaining. Yeah, it was. But I have no, I have no problem watching Tyson. None. I was not let down about anything I saw. I'm very curious. And Jim Gray, I'm curious to see what he said. He's got that great book out. 
because he knows Tyson very well. He goes to see him twice in the gym, or we, twice, uh, maybe two times a week in the gym. And he said he looks fantastic. And I just feel after watching the fight, I still don't know. He, I mean, he's 53, but I, I want to see him three-minute rounds, a full regular fight. Yeah, two-minute rounds, bad ref, not good. Maybe that was part of the deal. They just let him match up. Uh, so Jim Gray next. We'll talk about the football season, too. And then we do a simulcast with Barney and Company, FBM. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. For the third time in the past week, the Ravens-Steelers game has been postponed. It will kick off Wednesday which was supposed to be played on Thanksgiving night on Thursday, which was moved to Sunday, which was moved to Tuesday, and is now being moved to <laughs> Wednesday. So actually, it's the fourth okay. postponement. That game has led to a shift in schedules for Week 13 as well, with the Steelers-Washington game scheduled for Sunday, now being moved to Monday, where there'll be a triple header involving the Ravens and Cowboys that was supposed to be on Thursday that was moved to Monday and the Washington Steelers game, and our Monday night game next week, which is the 49ers and the Bills. Don't follow all that. It's okay. Just know that everything's different about this year and in sports. I am not critical of the NFL. I admire that they're doing everything possible to get this season on. And a lot of them are losing money because they don't have the ticket sales, but they're getting the money because they get the broadcast money. And they're also trying to do it for the fans and for the people that need a break and are getting into this NFL season. It's Adam Schefter. Uh, with me right now is one of the most respected sportscasters in the country, uh, Jim Gray. He's got a brand-new book out, bestseller, Talking to Goats. And it talks about all the great interactions. He's having great events with great people and well, maybe the greatest old-time in, uh, in, uh, in the history of their sport from Tom Brady on down. Over the weekend, he was working. So if you wanted to party with him Saturday, he was busy. He was with Mike Tyson with that exhibition. I watched the whole card, and I can't wait to talk to you about that. Jim Gray, welcome back. Hey, Brian. Great to be with you. Hope you had a good holiday. Oh, it was great. I hope you did, too. Uh, I know you work Saturday. Um, yeah, that was lots of fun. It was Mike very Tyson interesting. Really did well. And I, really want, did. I, I want really. to talk to you about it in a second. Just real quick, from the NFL, I, this is unscripted, and I'm not critical at all. And I admire the, the NFL put cameras into these practice facilities to be able to look in New York like it's a game and to, to check up on these guys to make sure they're doing everything possible to keep it on the field. Do you think this thing is going to happen, for example, on the Ravens game on Wednesday? Well, if it's Wednesday afternoon, it's NFL football. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, Kevin Harlan said that last night, so I stole his line. He was great uh, on our game on Westwood One. But, you know, Kevin, it's a, it is a mammoth project to try and play football during a pandemic, particularly with all of these teams outside of the bubble. So I do commend the NFL for trying to get these games in. The question becomes, at what point does, it, does the structure – lead to a competitive imbalance. And when you have a quarterback who's never played quarterback, he's an undrafted wide receiver, and I'm talking about Kendall Hinton is now uh, your quarterback for the Denver Broncos, and you lose 31-3. to I don't think that's fair not only to the Broncos, but that's fair, uh, unfair to all of the teams that are competing against the New Orleans Saints. I mean, the Saints win 31-3, to but they're playing against a guy, and it's not their fault. Absolutely, 100%. The Saints did everything right in this instance, even though they have been fined, as have the Raiders and some other teams, for uh, you know not wearing masks and not complying with protocols and so forth. But 
the competitive integrity of the NFL is very important. So while I'm not critical of the NFL in trying to get these games in, and I find it admirable to be doing all of the things that they're doing, and it's costing them literally billions of dollars in losses, uh, all of that is to be commended. But, you know, it's supposed to be a real game. It's not supposed to be some guy who's off the street uh, throwing passes. I, uh, I was texting with John Harbaugh over the weekend, and he said to me, don't worry about us. We're going to make it work. That's the attitude. Uh, that's, if you are truly a team, a resourceful team that's going to find a way, that's the attitude you've been preaching to your, to your players. And they got to find a way to see if they could do it without a quarterback, perhaps. So, Jim, I got to ask you, the guy who wrote the forward to your book is Tom Brady. And he's 7-5, and five, lost three of his last four. And there's talk maybe there might be some friction with the coach. He's got a tough schedule, no doubt about it. Lost Kansas City, arguably the best team in the league right now. But how's he feeling when you look and observe with all the, everything you know about football, what are you seeing? Well, I think he's, you know, obviously frustrated. He wants to win games. Had him on the air last night. He does his weekly show with me uh, on Westwood One. We'll have him on tomorrow for the Wednesday afternoon game. Um, and he wants to win football games. Losing three out of four is, is not something that he is in the habit of doing. Uh, obviously, losing to the Saints, the Rams, and the Chiefs, you know, those are some excellent football teams. Uh, the problem is is that they are, uh, uh, you know, not beating the best teams in the National Football League. They're 5-0 and versus teams that are under 500, and 2-5 and against teams that are over 500. So if they get to the playoffs, you know, there's going to be problematic. But it's continuity and consistency. And it's a brand-new offense, so he could go to sleep in New England knowing that it was going to be the same thing for 20 years. Here, you know, it's what is it? It's not even 20 weeks, let alone 20 years. So uh, it takes time for all of this um, to come together as a cohesive unit. And I think that, you know, if, if you're going to get somebody to figure it out, it will be Tom Brady. Now, in terms of problems with the coach, I, I don't believe there is a problem with the coach. Uh, I believe that it's just an adjustment period, and they're both adjusting to each other. And that, uh, you know, Brady said last night on the air, he talks to the coach every day. There's no friction. They get along well, uh, and they're trying to win games. Um, Tom Brady has said one thing on the radio show with me on Westwood One, and he said it consistently for 20 years. It's very hard to win a game in the NFL. And, Brian, I'll throw out one more thing. Um, Al Davis used to say it's a vicious struggle to be number one. One team wins, and the other 31 are looking for answers. And right now, the Pittsburgh Steelers are that one team. Perhaps the New Orleans Saints uh, and the Kansas City Chiefs are those other two teams. The other 29 are looking for answers at the moment. And by the way, Jim Gray does talk about his relationship with Al Davis in, in your book. So I, 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 uh, Saturday, I thought Mike Tyson... Look real good. You said that uh, I, I wanted to see less clinching. I was hoping the ref would be a little bit more aggressive. Jim, you did the post game, uh, the post fight analysis, and did the interviews. Here's you asking Mike Tyson to assess his performance. Cut forty nine. Mike, at age fifty four, you haven't been in the ring for fifteen years. How would you assess your performance? your stamina, and overall how you perform? Well, I'm used to doing it for three minutes. And um, sometimes that two minutes felt like three minutes. <laughs> and um, I'm just happy I got this under my belt and I'm continuing to go further and do more. You'll do this again? Absolutely. What do you think, Jim? I thought that it was a remarkable performance by a 51-year-old man. And he won the fight. I mean, they gave it a draw because all exhibitions basically are a draw because the, you know, athletic uh, commission 
doesn't want them judged and scored. So they were judged and scored by a bunch of uh, people who were sitting in front of a television who were celebrities, you know, and obviously, you know, the the scoring was going to be, I don't want to say predetermined, but it was going to be a draw like every other thing. But Tyson clearly won, and he looked great. So, of course, he can do this again. I mean, I don't know what the pay-per-view audience will be, but it's going to be massive. I mean, the the, the system, the Comcast system in Florida was down because of, 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 of you know, too much demand. And um, same in some other states. You know, they were having tremendous troubles keeping up with the demand. So Tyson's going to do this again, and he should. Why not? It's an exhibition. Uh, he's going to make millions of dollars. He was very representative. Some of the moves that he was doing, you know, it was it was unbelievably impressive. And same with Roy Jones. Roy Jones got hit in the ribs, uh, as Snoop Dogg said. Put a little sauce on some of those Mike Tyson ribs. He got hit so hard in those ribs, and I don't believe Tyson was trying to hit him in the head. Uh, but he stood in there, and, and he was remarkable, too, for 51 years of age. I thought it all came off really well. The Staples Center did a great job. The fighters were terrific, and um, why not? It was fun. It was fun to watch. Well, put it this way. I saw the head movement. I saw the upper body movement. There was none of that sitting back. There was no smiling, touching on top of the head. I thought I was watching a fight, except for it seemed like the referee was perfectly happy to let him clinch. And normally they'd get right in there, Mills Lane, and would you know break it up and make sure they go fight again. So 50, I'm sure you noticed 50, that. 50, to, to just do that, Brian. I hear you. A 54-year-old guy and a 51-year-old man, and they were fighting. I mean, it was, a, it was really... It was really impressive. So here's more from your interview, Cut 50. A lot of people were afraid, Roy, you might get hurt tonight. Were you really afraid in the back of your head that something could happen that, that might have put you in peril? I was afraid I might get hurt. I, was, I, I didn't fight in 20 years. He only f- stopped fighting for three years. I'm afraid I might get Why nobody care about my Well, that's he typical, fight, right? He didn't fight in 15 years. He stopped fighting three years ago, and everybody worrying about his no, nobody thinks that a giant is going to fall. I haven't did this in 15, 16 years. I'm not a giant. I'm a beginner. <laughs> <laughs> He's always great. I mean, you never know what's going to come out of Mike's mouth, and, and that was terrific. Uh, he, he was good with his assessment. He was laughing about it, and it was funny. Uh, he hadn't fought competitively. He hadn't been in a fight that was really mattered in 20 years. And so to be able to come out and do that, yeah, they, hey, look, you don't play boxing, Brian. Okay, and we saw that when uh, Jake Paul uh, knocked out Nate Robinson, the three-time NBA uh, slam dunk champion against the YouTube uh, uh, sensation, who was just in his second fight, but he caught him square, knocked him down twice the second time. You know, it was a scary type of thing, but you just can't come into a ring and think, you know, we're going to be fooling around and playing around because that's not what happens. Uh, Boxing is for real. And there are no second chances in boxing. You get smacked like that, yep. and you can really get hurt. So um, maybe we should have been more concerned about Mike Tyson. But <laughs> I, think, I, I, think, I think it was Will Chamberlain who said it all those years ago. Nobody, nobody feels sorry for the Giant. Absolutely. Then, then he went and played. Uh, we end up being a great volleyball player, too. Jim Gray, go uh, watch his special on Fox Nation now and pick up his book, Talking to Goats. It's great. Jim, great job again Saturday. Hopefully we'll see you again with Tyson. Brian, thanks for all your support. Appreciate you having me on. You got it. Uh, back in a moment with Duvarney and Company simulcast. It's Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. 
Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everyone. Brian Kilmeade here. We're going to be able to take your calls wet right at the top of the hour, so stay patient. 1 866 408 7669. I'm going to go on FBN, the fastest growing uh, station in all of cable, and number one news uh, business channel in all of cable. And this is the number one show, Varney and Company. You see it every day from 9 to noon Eastern Time. We share audiences. They're going to get a chance, uh, and you're going to get a chance to see. So let's listen. Slightly below 30,000, but it's still a rally. 10.51 on the dot. Here he is, Kilmeade himself. <laughs> My timing is always pretty good, Brian. pretty good. Now, uh, it's brilliant, actually. I want to start with the reopening of schools. I've got a bee in my bonnet about this. I think it's absolutely outrageous that they are closed right now. I want them opened now. How about you? How about this? Anthony Fauci, instead of doing uh, governing and advice by interview, why doesn't he have a press conference? We'll give him a podium about his size. We'll have the microphone the right size. We'll deconflict. We'll give him gloves. And he'll make an announcement that the data shows that children, especially K through, let's say, six, Almost no chance of getting this virus. There's yep. no, most states have zero fatalities or even uh, or as carriers, the, the chance are low. And then tell us the chances from 6 to 12. And then you phase that back in. So you get out of these geniuses like Mayor de Blasio's hands. Instead of Anthony Fauci sitting down in Stephen, Curry, in Stephen Curry's uh, podcast or Kim Kardashian's celebrity Zoom call, and then we find news from that, why doesn't he come out and say things definitively? Because that's what the president said over the summer, ignored. They said it was irresponsible. That's what Dr. Atlas has been saying from the spring, said he was irresponsible, was out of his depth. And now we find out that the risk for kids, a third grader sitting on a laptop or an iPad, not working. Stunner. They need to be in school. It is so, it's so ridiculous that it's not. And, Stuart, to back up our belief that we're right, why is it that when you have a tuition check, these teachers and these administrators find a way to get you in school successfully. That's called the private education. Yeah. How come private schools are open? How come Catholic schools, I'm talking about New York City right now, are open? How come this incoming administration wants to shut down the highly successful charter schools in this city and elsewhere? How come the teachers' union, which has betrayed the children they're supposed to teach, also wants to kill off charter schools? What the devil's going on here? Show some courage. If it is Joe Biden that becomes president, show some courage. What are you worried about? Not getting reelected, not having the teachers union backing? Where are they going to go? Stand up and say, listen, for the good of the kids, the next generation, my great, great or grandkids, they got to be in school. And not only that, you pick up the pie charts or the bar graph and you go, yeah, there's no reason for them not to be in school. And if the teachers are susceptible and don't want to do it, go in anyway. I mean, they had NFL football players, had scabs walk in when the NFL players walked out, and they actually played with bar league players. You can't go in and say, teachers, you got, you got two hours or two days yeah. to get into the classroom, or we're going to use somebody else. Well, look, if I'm a grocery store checkout worker, uh, I'm in the, my mask, I'm behind the, che- the register, and a constant stream, two or three hundred people a day are coming past me. I'm a grocery store checkout worker. I go to work. What's wrong with a teacher? Why can't a teacher go to school, 
stay in front of the classroom and just deal with 20 or 30 children. There is What's no wrong? reason. Listen, we all know people going through cancer surgery or, or have underlying conditions. I want to provide them with an education. Yes. I mean, with a paycheck to go home and help us out with those people that have to do remote learning. And maybe there's some coaching they could do for rookie teachers. I get that. Don't go in. If you're, in, if you're susceptible, don't go in the classroom. But if you're not, you got to go. And you got to find a way to go. Listen, to get here, we had to take the subway. I have to take the train. I'm in a car. I've never been in uh, with a car. I don't know who's been in before me. We come into this building. We're not heroic. we got to go to work. You just got to go to work. And you, yeah. you explain to kids. And for those, uh, for those students or for those districts that don't have a lot of money, we do bake sales to get a soccer team to be able to go to Canada. Can we do, a, can we do different sales and fundraisers to allow testing for schools so they get the same maybe some in, um, in some inner city schools that none of the funding? Maybe we help them out. And maybe some of that money that, that we, they have in Washington goes to getting these schools and getting some testing. So maybe the teachers have a peace of mind. I think a revolt is brewing. I think you could already see that in New York City where parental, parents are so up in arms about the closure of elementary schools. I think a revolt is brewing, and I don't think these school right. closures are going to last much longer. Last it, 20 seconds to you. All right, real quick. I interviewed somebody today, a business owner, a restaurant owner in Colorado. There were 98 different business owners. They refused to close. 98 owners. If you get the businesses together to do things responsibly and stay open, you yeah. can actually stare down these politicians who have no experience. I'm with you, Brian. And thanks very much for being on the show again. We'll no see problem. you soon. Thanks, thanks Brian. All right, we're back with our audience, 1-866-408-7669. Uh, so we've discussed a lot. We talked about the Mike Tyson pay-per-view event. We talked about football staying, and we just talked about the school staying open. I know there are people that we all know, very strong people, who get this virus, like Governor Christie, who kicked off this hour with us and says, this will kick your butt. It'll put you, put him in the hospital. And he still says kids got to go in school. And for those people who played sports and we have good memories of it, even if you sat on the bench, but they're still your friends. And for those people who pick up a newspaper or you go online and you see they're playing football in Florida, they're playing football in Georgia, they're playing football and soccer in North Carolina, and they're not doing in California and New York, are those kids more valuable than those other kids? They're playing, they're competing. I'm watching, I'm looking at box scores from championships games for, from Catholic schools and knowing there were a bunch of kids in public schools that didn't get a chance to play field hockey, didn't get a chance to play football, didn't get a plan to get soccer, and then New Jersey just makes a decree, no indoor sports. Wow. Goodbye wrestling, goodbye basketball, goodbye volleyball. Is that right? Instead of how do we do this? where maybe you don't use the locker rooms, maybe you bring your stuff to school, maybe there's, there's locker room rotations where they go in five at a time, maybe we get some little extra money to clean this uh, place out a little bit more often, even though you can't get it, evidently, from surfaces. It's how not to instead of how to. And the virus is just around the corner. Excuse me, the vaccine is just around the corner. This thing's about to be licked. But in meanwhile, we've all stood and hid the whole time. There's got to be a better way. I'm Brian Kilmeade. Brian Kilmeade Show. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. 
Welcome back, everyone, from New York. Heard around the country, heard around the world. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. We're back in action now. Uh, Brett Baer at the bottom of the hour. Senator Rick Scott uh, right now in a matter of moments. Uh, I do want to share this with you, and then we'll get Rick, to the senator, to answer. The president tweeted this out. Do something, Brian Kemp, Republican, uh, he's the Republican governor of Georgia. You allowed your state to be scammed. We must check signatures and count signature, signature envelopes against ballots. Then call up the election. It won't be needed. We all win. Uh, Dominion Voting Systems moving machines in Georgia against court order. Uh, uh, that was uh, also part of this. So would, would the president still extremely upset about Georgia, Arizona, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin? He's also calling on Wisconsin not to certify its vote. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Despite several uncontrolled outbreaks within the NFL, the league is continuing to push ahead with the 2020 season. Several other teams are struggling to keep a full roster. Now the NFL is taking steps to try to halt the impact of COVID-19 on its teams and battered schedule. Uh, There you go. The NFL trying to make something work. Uh, They're going to see if the Ravens and uh, Steelers supposed to play last Thursday. We'll play uh, this Wednesday. Will anybody have a quarterback? Is it time they will do alter their plan next? Number two. We're not allowed to put in our proof. They say you don't have standing. I would like to file one nice, big, beautiful lawsuit. Talking about this and many other things with tremendous proof. We We have affidavits, hundreds and hundreds of affidavits. But you need thousands, Mr. President. Almost a full month since Election Day, President Trump is still fighting. We'll update you on the latest. It's impossible to overrate the importance of another election coming away January 5th for both parties. And I'm talking about the Senate races we'll discuss. Number one. Now this is just about gutting out all the small businesses because guess what's still going to be open? Amazon, Target, Walmart, right? All these big box stores. It's nothing more than a transfer of wealth from the engine of ingenuity, right? Entrepreneurship, bars and restaurants up into the top. Uh, That is one business owner who has had it almost. uh, We're talking about COVID-19 affecting everyone, but politicians doing the impossible, making it worse with unnecessary school closures, shuttering restaurants, gyms and doing nothing but extending lines at food banks while a vaccine queues up for massive distribution. Why don't they try to work with businesses to stay open? Uh, Let's bring in uh, Senator Rick Scott of Florida, former governor of Florida, understands what it's like to run a business everywhere. And had success in all three. Senator, welcome back. Nice to be back. I don't get this. Why would you? Why would you pick and choose what's going to be open and what's going to be closed? You've got to give give people good information. Let people make good choices. People are pretty smart. You know, not everybody's going to do the right thing. But we got to let these businesses prosper. We got to let people have a job so they can put food on the table. It's 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 crazy. This idea that we can just keep shutting down this economy. It doesn't make any sense at all. And, you know, as Governor Christie told me last hour, he said, you know, governors shouldn't follow the science. That should be one of the things they keep in mind. You, they, scientists don't get elected. They're, they're there to do their job. And then you got to take all that into account because what you're doing by shutting people down is just extending the food bank lines and destroying lives forever in your economy. How are you ever going to when the vaccine is coming? Just try to stand your state up until the vaccine can rescue you, Governor. Excuse me, well, Senator. Everybody, every, 
<laughs> everybody's got to take personal responsibility. Wear your mask, social distance, quarantine if you if you've been around somebody's tested positive, but for sure if you if you've tested positive. So take care of yourself. But we got to run this economy. We got to we got to open these businesses. We got to let them prosper. We'll you know people are pretty smart. They're going to figure it out. And so I I just think this, this this these mandates to shut things down, don't let people go to church, don't let people open up the businesses. It's just it makes no sense. I'm optimistic, like all of us, about the vaccine. Uh, I'm optimistic that it's going to get out there and get distributed in a logical manner quickly. But in the meantime, we got to run this economy. We got to keep going. Uh, I would think so. And the bottom line is you have to do what you've done. you got to go meet businesses. Go over to them. See them on the patio. You see the numbers are so low in California about people who go outdoor. Watch their setup. And then say, guys, you're in the Restaurant Association. Go meet with the Restaurant Association. What do, you, what do we all agree on? And when I walked in to these restaurants and bars, for example, on Long Island, there's plexiglass everywhere. There's empty tables between other tables. These waiters and waitresses and bartenders just want to work. And then they find out, oh, we're closing at 10. In California, they're closing at 8. And I, I said, what does that mean? Is that a big deal? They go, that's a huge deal. That's a late-arriving crowd for our bartenders where they make enough money for the week. And they know they have people hired to walk around and go, guys, could you separate a little bit? Just to live with the virus until we can be saved from the virus. But you could only do that by meeting people, Governor Senator. And you know what? Let the customer make choices. You know, you, you want to be safe. I want to be safe. Right? We're going to say, okay, I'm not going to go there because that doesn't that place they they're not really doing a very good job. Or I'm going to go here because I watch what they're doing and they're doing pretty smart. On top of that, I believe at, at every level of government, put out more information. When I had uh, when I was governor, we had a, a healthcare crisis called Zika. I told people this is. I didn't say you can't go there. I said let me tell you, if you're worried about it, this is where we're seeing local transmission. Right. And guess what? The businesses said themselves, OK, so we don't want local transmission here. So what do we need to do? And they figured it out. It wasn't government that told them, hey, this is how you should figure this out. You know, they figured out how to clean up their neighborhoods so we didn't have any, any more transmission of Zika there. Shocking. And then, you know what? Customers, they they backed off, didn't go there for a while. And then they came, came back because people made them feel com- the customers, the businesses made them feel com- comfortable. So you that's have the governor. Yeah, it's great, uh, Governor. That's true. You can make a decision. All these people are crazy. I'm not going to go to that bar. I see a bunch of 21 year olds going crazy like it's right. like there's no virus. I'm out of there. And you know what? I'm telling my family, you're not allowed to go there. All right, that's out of the right. question. But then when I watch the other sports bar down the block on the patio, who went and invested in a tent and opened up the air and the side, and they got their uh, their heaters on and they're trying to make it work, I'll go out of my way to say, you know what? Let's eat it out tonight. Them. Let's give them a break. Yeah. Right. So but you can, but how did how did government get so smart about how to just I mean how did they get so much smarter than business people? Business people are pretty creative. They'll they'll figure this out. You go all around this country. There's great businesses that have figured out how to make people comfortable. And by the way, why do you pick? Well, you say all the big boxes. Oh, you can be open, but the little businesses. You, you can't be open. How did, how did the big boxes become so much more safer than than has Walmart any more safe than a small uh, clothing store? Well, if you want to know how to do it, Governor uh, Cuomo wrote a book on it. And if, Governor, if, if Senator, if you would ever need any help, he wrote a book on how to do it. But yet we're back in the same situation. He is now asking for nurses and doctors to come out of retirement and help out. He is now stopping going to tell a series of things that's going to include uh, stopping elective surgeries. 
He is going to be talking about vaccine distribution. He's going to have a microcluster approach. So the very interesting for a governor to say this is how you do it when he misses 17 briefings from the White House, not right. with the president I mean, conducting it, but with the vice president conducting it with with uh, or with military people and talking about everything that needs to be done and what New York or what your state needs. I got elected the same time Cuomo did as governor. And in the eight years we were governor at the same time, uh, what I watched is people just flocking out in New York because it's a disaster. His, his approach to running anything has never worked. Uh, he's, he's ruined the business climate there for now over a decade, uh, and he's continuing to deal with coronavirus. So, and, and he doesn't listen. So, he, I mean, that's why you, you look, at, look, at, look at the disaster New York and New York City are in right now. It's because of who they've elected. They've elected people who they think they're so much smarter than everybody else that they could run everything. You know what? I grew up in a very poor family. My parents didn't have much of education, but you know what? They weren't dumb. Uh, they didn't have a great education. So they made logical choices based on the information they had. Give people good information. They'll make good decisions. Uh, Senator Rick Scott, the president of the United States is fighting in Arizona. He's fighting in uh, he is fighting in Georgia. He is fighting in Pennsylvania. He is fighting in Wisconsin to not have them certify. He's going to be appearing uh, Saturday. I imagine he's going to talk a lot about his own situation. Uh, He's got a lot of problems with Republican governors. uh, Now, Governor Ducey in Arizona and Governor Brian Kemp in Georgia. Whose side are you on? Well, I, look, I clearly think the president's right from the standpoint that all legal votes should be counted. We ought to investigate the fraud. Um, you know, we ought to let the courts go, go through the court system. And some things I don't get. Why can't – why doesn't – why don't these people want to go – you know, this, the whoever's responsible, whether secretary of state or whatever, go back and say, okay, so I have checks the signatures. And they've matched or they haven't matched. I don't get – no one's explained to me why they're not doing that. Uh, even if you even if you can't match the ballots now, at least you can go back and say, you know what, there really was a lot of fraud here. Or no, I checked all the, the signature matches, and there all there wasn't any fraud here. You know what's going on right now is, and it's caused by the Democrats. They don't believe in transparency. We've got to have voter ID going forward. You've, I put a bill out on how to do mail-in ballots the right way, the way we do it in Florida. You've got it, your signatures have to match. You have to have your ballot in on time so we can count your ballot. Um, but you know, you've got to allow people watch you open up ballots. I mean, these are basic things. So I think the Democrats have put themselves in a position where now it's easier for people to say, you know what, I'm not comfortable about these elections. And so, but with, with regard to President Trump, you know, look, I, the results are going to come out. The electoral college is going to make a decision. He's going to be subject to whatever those results are. In the meantime, you know, let everybody put the facts out there. Let's make sure there's no fraud. Let's investigate it. Let's count all the legal ballots. So I understand the president has tweeted out, do something, Brian Kemp. You allowed your state to be scammed. We must check signatures and count signed envelopes against ballots. Then uh, then call off election. It won't be needed. We will all win. So he is saying basically he's against the January 5th. Uh, he's worried about the January 5th runoff. Are you? Uh, well, we're going to win. Uh, we've, I mean, we're all putting a lot of time into it. I just got elected chair of the National Republican Senatorial Committee. We're putting a lot of effort to make sure we win both those two seats. We have to win those two seats to stop. You know, the Democrats want to pack the Supreme Court, you know, infringe on your religious freedom, your Second Amendment rights. They want the Green New Deal, which is 100, almost $100 trillion, kill the economy. They, they want Medicare for All, which will ruin Medicare and kill private health care and coverage to 150 million Americans. So they want socialism. So we have to win. But we got to make sure people feel comfortable that we're having a free and fair election. That's why 
We, let's look for the, you know, if there's an accusation of fraud, let's look for it. Let's just make sure we make people feel comfortable that there's no fraud here. I hope there's not. Here's what Lindsey Graham said. Uh, they got to change before this election. Cut 50. 30, excuse me, 30. To my friends in Georgia, all you need is one person to validate a signature on a mail-in ballot. Uh, the Secretary of State talks about... Uh, driver's license being used uh, when you apply for a mail-in ballot. That is if you go online, but if you request through the mail, there's no such process. So what would, would be helpful is if the governor would call in the state legislature to require bipartisan signature verification, that in the January 5th uh, Senate election, that both sides looked at the signature, not just one person. I hope oh. they do that before time runs out. He, he's really adamant about this. Is like the third time he has said this to me some uh, twice was just was not on television. Are you worried about the same thing that you got to you got to work with this procedure? Well, you've got first off, you, the signatures have to match. You have first off, you have to be a registered voter to be able to ask for um, ask for a, a mail-in ballot. And then you you have to, uh, you know, it has to be mailed to you. you. It's your responsibility to get it in on time. So if you do all these things, mail-in can work. You can't just mail them out willy-nilly and not care who they get sent to. So, but the, the signatures have to match, and you have to be really careful about that. Otherwise, you have it. You have the opportunity for fraud, and when you have the opportunity for fraud, people don't get comfortable with election. I want, I want the people in Georgia to feel comfortable that they had a fair election. I want the Republicans to win, but the most important thing is people know that you know if I voted, my vote was not diluted by right. some fraud. Senator, where do you stand on getting another aid package together? You know, Senator Manchin, Senator Kennedy, uh, Senator Dick Durbin. Uh, you have um, uh, some others are coming together, including some members of the House, to try to put some type of aid package together. Where does Rick Scott stand? I'm, I'm absolutely for a targeted bill. We've done it twice. Republican senators have done it twice. The Democrats have blocked it twice. Uh, so Pelosi and Schumer had made the decision before the election. They didn't want a bill done. So what do we need to do? Help the people who have lost their job. Help our small businesses. Make sure our schools get open. Make sure we have money for testing and vaccine. But what I'm not going to do? We're not going to have Florida taxpayers bail out the pension plans for California, New York, and New Jersey. Uh, so if you, if you look at these, this, the, the, these liberal states, they want to spend money like crazy. They don't want to open up their economy. And then they want to come to the federal government and say, oh, please give us money, and we can spend it any way you want. By the way, Brian, they, they won't even tell us the money we've already given them. These governors won't even tell us how they spent the money. They won't even tell us, but give us more. So I am for helping people have lost their job. I'm helping our small businesses, helping our schools, make sure we have testing, vaccine, but I'm not for bailing out these liberal, these liberal states that want to just waste your money. I would say this, uh, Rick. The one thing is uh, Florida's doing it right. We all know about the danger of what's going on. We also know about the challenges of elections. They stood up to the challenge. You guys had problems in the past, not this time when it mattered most. And then when it comes to this virus, it is real. It's a threat, no question. But still, you're giving people an opportunity to have a business, have a life, while still trying to overcome uh, by re- re- being responsible. So I think Florida has really got this right so far. And hopefully the vaccine puts us all to bed soon. Senator Rick Scott, thank you so much. Hey, Brian, have a great day. You got it. one 866 I'll come back and take some calls. And then we'll get the latest. It turns out the Trump campaign has just filed an injunction to stop the final tally and certification of the Wisconsin vote. Will that be successful? Brett Bear with us shortly, but you're next.
Coming to you on a need-to-know basis because, man, do you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome back, everyone. Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669. A couple of things. Uh, This just in. Uh, Rudy Giuliani has asked President Trump about receiving a preemptive pardon. The two discussed the topic last week. Trump pardoned Mike Flynn on Wednesday. Giuliani is investigated over business dealings in Ukraine. His associate, Lev Parnas, uh, pleaded not guilty Monday over his own Florida business. That's the other part of the thing. As much as I uh, uh, love Rudy, these other people that came into the fray, this Parnas and his other uh, character came in through Rudy, and these guys are shysters. And they're going to be grilled over the coals, and deservedly so. Took their access to the president and embarrassed him uh, personally. one 408 So I haven't gotten the confirmation, but that's been reported right now by the Daily Mail. Todd, uh, listening on the Fox News Radio app in California. Hey, Todd. Hey, Brian. Thanks for, uh, thanks for taking the call. I just wanted to bring up a couple things about, you know, the, the small businesses that are they're losing these these business owners that are losing their livelihood. A lot of these people, you know, make their product here in the USA. So essentially, closing them is is putting our country out of business. While we keep uh, businesses like Walmart, Target, Home Depot, Lowe's, you know, with all they all have products made in China. So essentially, we're keeping China in business and we're keeping the United States out of business. I think that which is just yeah. There's no question. A lot of their products come from China, and there's other businesses just deserve the same shot. And their logic is ridiculous. Their logic makes no sense. You know, there's certain things. No, you know, I agree. Yeah, if a surgeon wants to tell you how to remove your gallbladder, okay, I'll get out of the way. But if a politician wants to tell me what's good for me when it comes to a pandemic they've never experienced before, forget it. I'm out. Thanks so much. Appreciate uh, appreciate it, Todd. Especially in California, the frustration must be over the top. But don't diminish the fact that. Four of the seven seats that flipped in 2018 went back to Republicans in 2020. Why did it surprise everyone? Because you didn't need to see a political ad to know what these politicians are deciding and how it's hurting you. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. There was a great provision. It's tucked into the CARES Act from the springtime, which actually allows more taxpayers to do well, give money, but also get a tax benefit. It used to be before the pandemic, you had to be an itemizer of deductions in order to get a tax benefit from giving. Now with this provision, any taxpayer can get up to $300 deduction from their taxes by giving to a qualified charity. 
All right, everybody, welcome back. It's uh, it's the Brian Kilmeade Show, and of course, this is Giving Tuesday. Brett Baer, Chief Political Anchor for Fox News. You got a special report tonight at 6. Also going to be on his all-star panel starting on February 13th at the Ritz-Carlton Resort in Naples, Florida. And hopefully everyone can make it there, but it's a great uh, charity, great cause. And if you want tickets, and I know you do, go to allstarpanel.com. And you get details about the whole weekend. I think we could all use a break by then. And Florida knows how to do it right. So if anyone can pull this off, regardless of the state of the virus, it will be Florida. Brett Bear, welcome. Hey, Brian. Hey, uh, what's going on? How's your son? Uh, he's doing good. He's doing good. We've got uh, a couple of days before his, uh, his next open heart surgery on Thursday. And... Um, So we're going to, like we've done before, this is his fourth. Uh, We're going to go in and take one step at a time. And and, uh, he's got great care at Children's National, and that's uh, where we'll be. So I'll be kind of there by his bedside for the next uh, seven to ten days. I can imagine. Also, you said you were working out with him. Were you playing basketball the other day with him? Yeah, yeah, playing basketball. We played golf down in Florida when we were down there. And, uh, yeah, he's he's getting huge. He's really big. So uh, we think this is going to be the last uh, last open heart surgery. And and all goes well. We'll be back in uh, the swing of things in a few weeks. So, yeah. So, listen, Brett, if people want to, if they can't make the event and want to donate to your cause – to the Children's National Hospital over in Washington. Where, yeah. do, where do they go? So, first of all, the, the event is still still on, uh, February 13th, and it's there's going to be an outside element to it. We're going to have testing surrounding it, and that's all getting worked out. But, um, but we're going to try to move forward. And as you said, Florida has done it well, and there'll be, um, there'll be provisions for us to make sure it's very safe. So as of now, it's still on. Um, but today is Giving Tuesday. Right. So uh, Children's National does amazing things, research and treatment for uh, kids across the country and around the world. So if you want to give today, Facebook matches that gift today. And you can just go to my Facebook page, um, Brett Bear, uh, Facebook or on Instagram. There's a donating button, too. And um, and you just do it today and you get double double the gift. And any money, obviously, is, is great. hundred percent goes to. Uh, treating kids and the research and treatment of uh, of sick kids. And we've spent a lot of time there. Amy is now the foundation board chair at Children's. And uh, like I said, we'll be there for the next uh, couple of weeks. You know, it's good to see foundations that do something with the money because I look at the Black Lives Matter situation. People saw the George Floyd situation. And now you, all the chapters are saying, we're not getting any money. There's some well-meaning people thought, how do I help? We're not getting any money. And what about the, you know, um, enough enough waiting or... Uh, timed out that that uh, women's empowerment uh, foundation um, that it turns out all their money has gone to no money's gone out or oh, three hundred thousand dollars has gone out most has gone to administrative costs so people get wary about this they feel good about it. then they find out the money's going to uh, to offices and buildings and raises yeah and that stuff you got to really dig into you got to know where you're giving. Um, I can tell you from firsthand knowledge that Children's National gets 100 percent of it, and uh, it goes to amazing things. Not just uh, yeah. paying for logistics; it, it actually goes to treatment. Yeah, I met the I, I met the, the surgeon too, and I met a lot of people down there. Very impressive people, and I'll be on that All Star panel. Yeah, the panel. Yeah, it'll be uh, you and Charles Payne this year, uh, Shannon Bream. 
uh, Emily, Emily Campagno and me, and uh, we'll have a blast. But I understand the way it works. This is an ongoing audition, so for now, I'm in the starting line. But if I have a bad week, like if this show does not reach, you, you just say, Brian, listen, we're going to have to make a change. That's true. That's true. We might have to go with a left-hander. <laughs> Absolutely. Out of the bullpen. Um, now, okay, so that that's great, and uh, we'll go to um, and we'll go to all star panel dot uh, com to find out more. So, uh, just about what's on tap today, we understand the FDA commissioner is meeting with the Mark Meadows, and we assume the president today. They want to know, Brett, and I can understand it. What are you guys waiting for? And he president is always pressing anyway. But you, you look at the study; you have the numbers. There's some talk that maybe. Uh, these guys aren't working through the weekends. What do you know about this? Well, I think that that's why he's called in to say, you know, why not just call your board together now? I mean, it's done virtually anyway. And it was Dr. McKay was on uh, the other day saying just that, you know, there's no the, the companies are ready. They have the studies they have. They're ready to go. I mean, what? why wait a week? Why wait a day? Um, just just get it into into action. So I think that that's one of the questions for the FDA. And, you know, for there is a process here and they do go through certain hoops they have to get over, but, but they are where they are in stage three. So now it's just a matter of the logistics of getting that vote. Uh, I want you to hear uh, Thomas Friedman, who is a huge critic of the president and has told everyone to go, go to, go to Georgia and move there. So Republicans are out of power in the Senate. So you know that I don't know if even sure that you realize in his column, he was almost complimenting the president by stating the facts about what's happened with Iran. And he talked about those uh, those uh, those missile strikes into Saudi Arabia's oil fields and the precision strikes would changed everything, made it more important than the nuclear program. He believes that the way they did that and our answer was not to go in and bomb Iran or defend them, but was to do nothing but to send in our troops and make Saudi Arabia pay for them, that sent a different message that these Arab nations, these Muslim nations, must start looking out for themselves. And that the enemy was an Iranian strike like that. They have the technology and they got to be stopped. And Iran, and that's where Israel came in because they have the same worry, not of Saudi Arabia, but of Iran. And the president said, if you want help, you got to pay for it. We're energy independent. We don't necessarily need that oil. We got our own. All that came together to give the president a lot of leverage. And here's what he said last night to Chris Cuomo, who didn't thought he was just having a normal Trump bashing fest, but he ran into this. Cut 42. And then if you don't, you know, take Iran's side, which the United States, I would assume, would not, how do you get anything done with them? It's kind of a box, no? I actually think the Iranians are the one in the box because um, uh, I think they're really afraid right now to retaliate while Trump is there because— you know, they, they, Iranians, you know, they usually count on that they can out-crazy anybody else. And I think they're worried they actually couldn't out-crazy Trump. Maybe Trump would out-crazy them. At the same time, when Trump's gone, I think they're going to want to reach out to the Biden administration to see if there is some kind of new deal that can be negotiated. So I think the Iranians are in the box right now, Chris, much more than uh, much more than us. And when the scientist was assassinated a few days ago, uh, maybe by a remote machine gun 160 yards away, we're not sure. Uh, that really put Iran in a box. You're all over the Middle East. You've been there. You've been following these wars and talking to people. You just talked to Secretary of State Pompeo. Iran's in trouble right now. Yeah, Iran, this maximum pressure has given them maximum pressure. I mean, they they are feeling it. And, 
you know, you can say what you will about the Trump administration, how they've done it uh, and how they've talked about it. But it, the bottom end result will be an Iran that is much more willing and able to do a big deal that includes the stuff that wasn't included the first time. And the world has changed now after the Obama administration. And this cannot, you know, just even from their perspective, go back to anything that looks like it was before the Trump administration changed the change the dynamic. And add to that the Gulf nations that have signed these uh, negotiations, these these deals with Israel. Uh, Saudi obviously hasn't done it yet, but they're clearly on their way. They're allowing overflight rights. Uh, the UAE, Bahrain. Uh, I think there there are others. Oman, Sudan. Um, yeah, I think that there's going to be a list of them that see the benefits of that, and that also squeezes Iran. It's just hard not to see that as success. And, you know, it was very public when the Secretary of State went and visited Israel. And then two weeks later, you see this assassination. So we're not really trying to hide much. No, and I think the, the fear uh, for people who are worried about getting into a war is that something big would happen, you know, as the administration's leaving uh, that changes, you know, from a military standpoint. I think that what you saw here was was a targeted effort uh, by the Israelis, it seems, um, to take out the key person in their nuclear program. So Brett Baer's with us now. He's going to host Special Report at 6. Brett, uh, I'm looking at something happening on Capitol Hill I haven't seen in a while. Democrats and Republicans coming together on some type of stimulus bill to help all these businesses as we get slammed with another wave of the coronavirus. I see Joe Manchin. I see Senator Cassidy, of course, Mitt Romney. And you see Dick Durbin and see some House members. Is there enough momentum there? And Mitch McConnell said, something's got to get done. Don't blame me. I'm willing to get something done. Is there enough momentum there to see something push leadership to do? I'm not sure the votes are there, Brian. We'll see. I do think that this is a moment, though, that um, th- that will be a template for going forward, and that is the rise of the moderates, the rise of the coalition of Democrats and Republicans who want to get something done. I'm not sure that it's going to be able to be get done to get done before the next Congress is seated. But I do think that moderates are going to have more power to make those deals outside of the leadership that may not want to. Um, we'll see if the pressure is great because of the COVID situation and where businesses are. Uh, I know that Republicans up on the Hill really want the PPP program to be replenished and and a lot of other things that were in the $500 billion bill. Um, and Democrats, I think, are going to scale back from what, what they passed in May through Pelosi. So I had a chance to talk to the president a couple of weeks ago, and one of the things he said to me is, he's like, listen, if I lost, I would tell you I lost. I really, there, there's something going on here. There, there's something uh, that happened that is not right. I won this election. And by the way, he's, this all played out. He absolutely believes he won. Um, what is the next thing that you should be seeing to see if he's ever got any attraction here? Because we know Arizona's about to certify. Georgia's about to certify. Wisconsin's been pushing Arizona, that. To- Arizona certified. Yeah. And, he got, and Doug Ducey, who's been a really loyal Republican governor to the president, um, got lambasted by the president on on Twitter and elsewhere. Um, I I think that you're going to see these specifics come out in these court cases. And if a judge does not take it up, 
uh, then it's up to the state legislatures uh, to somehow make a stand, which doesn't seem, at least right now, like any of these states are, are going to do that. So by December 14th, when the electors are seated, um, you know, this is this train is moving out of the station. That, that's not to say there aren't irregularities. That's not to say that there right. aren't things that people go, wait, what is this? Um, but as you look into them, if it's enough to overturn gotcha. uh, each state's electric. Brett, we'll watch you tonight at 6. Thanks so much. See ya. Uh, keep it here. Uh, the Brian Kilmeade Show continues with more to know in just a moment. To your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Dairy Queen Blizzard or Frosty Swannies? Frosty Swannies. Best Monopoly playing piece? The car. What goes in the toaster? Toast. Bread goes in the toaster. Toast comes out. That was a trick question. How does Dolly Parton not have a Presidential Medal of Freedom? That's a mistake. Yes. I'm shocked. I'll, I'll call Biden. Uh, that is uh, President Obama having fun on his book tour, which is number one. Uh, evidently, he's getting called out, too, by the way, because he has the whole Balfour Declaration that created Israel wrong and condemned the U.K. for doing so. And there's a lot of people—no one's going to read this, the whole every word, but if you want to go over there as a critic, he's going to be susceptible on a lot of things, including condemning people uh, for that, uh, that leak at the bottom, that uh, oil leak— uh, in Texas, saying, well, it's America's insatiable appetite for cheap oil and gas that's allowing that to happen. Yeah, I feel so um, egotistical for wanting gas, affordable gas in my car, especially those truck drivers. They're making so much money with that affordable gas and uh, oil. Unbelievable. Uh, meanwhile, guys, I think it's fine time to find out in the last minutes we have remaining if there's indeed more to know. More to know. All right, we're talking about Mike Tyson. Let's talk about him again. He admitted he smoked marijuana before the fight. He said, say, say, I smoked marijuana before fighting Roy Jones Jr. in that exhibition Saturday night. Absolutely, he said during the fight. Tyson and Jones fought to a draw, but, you know, Tyson won. He said, listen, I can't stop smoking. I smoke during fights. I just have to smoke. I'm sorry. I'm a smoker. I smoke every day. I never stop smoking. How do you feel about that? I mean, he's just a character. You, you, you never know what is going to come out of his mouth on any type of an interview. Evidently, he's making a ton of money. He's got 40 acres and, and grows marijuana. Yeah, he's, and he's, he's definitely got a classes, got Tyson classes on how to grow it. I'm sure he's not teaching it. The best news, though, at least the good news on, on that end, is he says he stopped using cocaine two and a half years ago. So I hope so, yeah. uh, because that you don't come back from. Next, Mike Tyson almost got into a second fight. It turns out this one clown walked up to him while he was signing autographs and wanted to fight to him, he, uh, fight with him, took a swing at him, and actually reached for his waistband, at which he might have had a gun. His whole team jumped in and saved him. Evidently, this guy is a clown. He showed up at a previous sign looking to start fighting with Mike Tyson. The one thing you, I mean, forget about how his in-ring performance, whether you thought it was good or not, the one area you do not want to face off against Mike Tyson is in a street fight. Yeah, one I, punch. You have no chance. Oh, I think he looks, I think his foot speed head movement was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Next, NASA has a mystery unknown object speeding towards us. They say it's hurtling towards Earth, which boom, most of us are located, at least my best listeners are. The unknown space mass has been dubbed 2020 so. It's, it's so 2020. It's said to fly over our planet at an extremely close but safe distance of 31,605 miles. It should be at 3.50 in the morning. Well, today, it should have happened already. I haven't heard anything. So, you know, at least it didn't crash into us. We're still here. Right. That's good news. Next, 
Money matters. Most Americans don't experience a financial awakening until they're 33. They did a study of 2,000 Americans. They revealed the so-called financial awakening can come in many forms. The most common is a sudden drop in income caused by the loss of a job or reduction in hours. More than five people, more than one in five people say they experienced this. Many respondents also point to COVID-19 because a lot of people lost their job through no fault of their own. The average respondent would likely to retire at 57, but one in five haven't even started saving for it. Yet, more, uh, move over, moreover, 22% say that while they have previously contributed to a retirement account, they're currently unable to do so. You understand this. Doesn't your husband know a lot about this, Allison? Uh, yeah, no, he absolutely does. I was going to say, what did you, did you have your financial awakening, Brian? I'm still waiting for it. No one's He's given me any uh, smelling salts yet. I'm still in the I middle of spend everything every day. That's good. I will say this. Here's one good tip. If you have a 401k, just automatically have it go up 1% every year. You won't even miss it. And before long, you're contributing way more than you realized. Yeah, can't go wrong. Except for if you're barely making your bills to take more money out on the 401k just kills you. But I understand. More than 4 in 10 people say they're even afraid to look at their checking account or savings account balance. Wow, I know that feeling. Next, no benefit to a big breakfast. Researchers at Johns Hopkins say the big breakfast diet simply doesn't help people lose weight. Don't we know this already? Is this news? I don't. I mean, isn't a calorie a calorie? Yes. Yeah. They did a study of 41 overweight uh, adults over 12 weeks. It reveals that squeezing more calories in early has no impact on weight loss at all. Now, I heard this whole starvation thing till noon is the new rage, right? Well, the intermittent fasting. Yeah. (laughs) Brian, he only consumes things with powder. Right. Uh, That's true. I only, I I add water to uh, my cup of noodles. And I add powder to the meal replacement. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform. And watch directly on Outkick.com forward slash watch. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.